kind of like music. You know, music is like an ocean of dangerous fish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I mean, I got attacked by a kraken. <laughs> oh yeah, in the middle of a show. Yeah, it was pretty scary. Pretty scary. Yeah, that was. Uh, that sounds terrifying. Um, where was good said thing? It's a lie. <laughs> where where was where was said? Oh man, you weren't supposed to reveal that. You were supposed oh. to make me think that it was true and actually come up with a whole story. Uh, it was at everything. the uh, Pearl City Station. Oh, the Pearl City Station. Yeah, yes. and the um, Kraken came right out of the Mississippi. What? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if anybody knew that, but uh, in Muscatine, Iowa specifically, we have um, big, giant-like monsters that live in the, um, not ocean, but we'll call it the ocean, mm -hmm. the Mississippi Ocean. Yeah, they're not restricted to the Mississippi, though. There's giant That's monsters all over town. Greetings, citizens of Earth. Welcome to Accelerative Thrust. I'm Dan. Oh, and I'm Eric. <laughs> yep. And, I almost and, forgot how it worked. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. It's been it's been a couple of weeks. Whew, man. Yeah, that was kind of an unintended sort of um break, but uh we're back. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. We're back, baby. Back for the attack, just like Don Dockin. Uh wow. with a with a rack. With a with a with a rack? Yeah, I was trying to um, you know, uh rhyme with attack. Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Back for the attack, like Don Dockin with a rack. You know, <laughs> like yeah, a rack that's... of ribs or like iron. Sure. Yeah. We could say like a rack. Okay. Yeah. So how about this? Back for the attack, like Don Operation, Dockin. Operation Dockin Freedom. Yeah. Dockin Freedom. Uh, back... <laughs> back, back for the attack, like Don Dockin with a rack of ribs from. Wow. Uh, a guy in a grill better watch out he might be a shill this guy who i'm talking about don i don't know Dockin. who it is don Dawkins. yes that's right his name is don last name Dawkins. Yeah. it's Dockin. a good time to mention our sponsor first name don uh, guy guy in a grill guy in a grill uh, and uh and don, i think don dockin is sponsoring us too isn't yeah. he uh yeah uh, uh Actually, the Dream Warriors are sponsoring us. Is that a baseball team? <laughs> sorry. Yeah, it is now. Okay. Ooh. I'm sorry. <laughs> could you imagine? Oh, could that's you, so good. Could Ooh. you imagine that the uh, Muscatine Dream Warriors? <laughs> oh, that, that's me. like. Maybe the best hmm. baseball team in the world is the Dream Warriors. <laughs> Dream Warriors. I yeah, I think the rest of it goes. Yeah, I think that's exactly how it goes. Yeah, like one hundred percent. You know, Ooh. I used to have that Dokken album though, back for the attack. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Long time ago. And you know what? 
if I'm not mistaken, that has mm -hmm. Dream Warriors on. Oh, dang. I think it's the last track. They added it to it oh, yeah, because sure. they probably realized that there was no other hits on that record. Because yeah, I really this, don't think there was. This is as good as it gets, is what yeah, they realized. <laughs> exactly. They were like, well, Nightmare on Elm Street. And, mm -hmm. You know, because they didn't have any breaking the chains on that one. Mm -mm. You know, that was when... Dokken was going down. I don't like Dokken. Yeah, I don't either. I'm just um, going to come out and say it, guys. Go ahead and reach out. Tell me how I'm wrong. I, I have a feeling I there's like not... <laughs> I have a feeling there's not very many people who are going to disagree with you that listen to this, that... You know, like, hey, uh, yeah, I, I love Dawkins. What the hell? You know, no. like... There's someone listening right now who's like, yeah, we get it. Dawkins sucks, but... George Lynch is totally awesome. Didn't he have the skull guitar too? Like, yeah, that, that yeah. part was cool. Yeah, I liked that. Right. I like George Lynch's skeleton guitar. But you do like, um, <laughs> you do like Dream Warriors, though, right? I mean, you at well, least like that song. Sure. I mean, yeah. I got to say, if it wasn't the theme song to a Freddy movie, I wouldn't like it. If it was sure. just some song. Yeah. If it, yeah, that's true. Mm. That's what really made that song that and then is, is it kind of like the, the they're like a special unit for the dream police is that how it works <laughs> step yeah, aside like dream a... police this is this is our jurisdiction yeah. the dream warriors have taken over this investigation i think it, i think it was like that same situation where like um who was it that did the that wrote the sequel to um uh, Space Oddity by uh, David Bowie. What was his name? He uh, I don't know. Da, 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 uh, Major Tom or Tom, you know, whatever. You know what I'm talking about? That 80s. Oh, uh, Earth yes. Uh, yes. Is that, it's not really a yes proper I, I sequel right well it's not really a sequel but he uses the same character major tom so yeah it's kind of considered like a sequel to space oddity like he used david bowie's character oh. did you I, yeah. I never i never knew that like until like very recently but like that's what the dream warriors that like okay so what that is to space oddity that's what the dream warriors is to the dream police they're, they're using wow. the same characters as Cheap Trick. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's what they're isn't doing. Isn't Ashes to Ashes probably the proper sequel <clears throat> to, uh, to Space Oddity? I mean, since it is a David Bowie song, the, the, and, he, oh, and, and he talks about uh, Major Tom. As for well. a second, <laughs> I thought you were talking about the Faith No More song. Um, uh, no. uh, yeah, maybe. I, I guess. Um, what? I don't even album... know what that other song is. What? Ashes to Ashes? No, the other one we were talking about from the 80s. Oh, 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 oh. yeah, I don't know what it's called. Uh, I think it might just be called Major Tom, honestly. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I'm, 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 being, I'm being serious in my possibly. Hmm thing but peter yeah. schilling peter no. schilling that's it yeah peter schilling and it's i think it's major tom is that what it's called yeah uh-huh major tom i love that song by the way yeah i've never 
paid too much attention to it. Yeah. Cool. It's, um, but yeah, no, I guess it's considered a sequel to, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's considered a sequel to the yeah, yeah, yeahs. Well, uh, yeah, the maybe, maybe, maybes. <laughs> maybe, 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 the ha, ha, ha's. The yeah, yeah. The maybe, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to start a, um, I was going to become a comedian one time, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, my stage name was going to be Lady Ha Ha. Wow. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, so do I. Uh, <laughs> until I realized that, um, yeah, it's maybe not that great. <laughs> That's why I didn't do it. Hmm. I, I, I was going to go through with it too. I was going to like, Hey, can I open up this metal show? You know? And yeah. Tell them he didn't that I was do gonna, it though. I didn't do it. And he didn't even dress up in a bunch of meat. Well, I, okay. Now hold on. Let's not go that far into it. Let's, I mean, in your performance. Uh-huh. You uh, may be wearing meat now. I, I don't know. What uh, performance are we speaking of here? Because opening I the have, metal show. <laughs> oh, because I have many performances that may or may not involve meat. Oh. And so, you know, that's kind of... But is it a performance if you're just in your room alone? <laughs> <clears throat> that is all really good stuff. You know what else is really good stuff? What? The music that we listen to. Oh, I, I right. think it's I think it's good stuff. Do you think it's good stuff, Eric? You know, it's better than not listening to music. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, no, it's if, good stuff. If I'm you kidding. weren't listening to music, then what would you be doing? Yeah. What else is there in this world? Yeah, there's there's nothing real out there. No. Everything is made up. Mm-hmm. None of us are real. It's it, this is a simulation, a, a stimulation. A stimulating a simulation. simulation. Yeah, stimulation simulation. <laughs> That's what it is. Stimulation you know what I simulation. was thinking about the other day. Mm-hmm. If it is all a simulation or whatever, mm-hmm. like what difference does it make? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like if someone says everything you perceive to be re- as reality isn't reality, there's kind mm-hmm. of a conundrum there, right? Because it's our reality. So I just mean, people are always like, yep, there's, that's the proof that it's a simulation. And I'm like, uh, yeah, great. I mean, literally what difference does it make in your life if this is real or not? mm -hmm. Yeah. It's more like if someone else is in control, right? Isn't that Mm -hmm. kind of the bigger idea? Someone or something else. Yeah. Who like, so we're like this computer program video game or something. Right. Which I mean, if you think about it, we are constantly making worlds with art. You know, we're always constantly making other realities with art. Who's to say that there's not some sort of thing that's going on where like, I don't know, Spider-Man is real, but you know, in like another universe, like maybe those are maybe comic books and video games and movies are actually like portals into another reality. (laughs) It's crazy to think that, but you never know. I mean, do we really know what the hell we're doing here? No. Exactly. You mean on this podcast? <laughs> the answer I mean, is no. <laughs> I mean on this podcast, I mean on this earth, I mean on this uh, wonderful, wonderful mm. TV show we call life. <laughs> it's a great show. A lot of a lot of good mm-hmm. cast members. They don't get paid well though. Yeah. 
least not know. by me. It's a little long in the middle, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. But you know what? Uh, stay tuned for the next season. It might get interesting. You oh, never know. Yeah. Uh, but we also create worlds with records, with mm-hmm. music, the sweet mm-hmm. sounds to our ears, you know. Yeah. With all kinds music of records. <laughs> music records, exactly. And uh, you know what? I think we have some music records to oh, talk boy. about. We do. Mm-hmm. Come on, everybody. It's record time. Now, it has been two weeks now. We've uh, been planning on reviewing these records for a little while. So. Yeah, so if there's any, any like three records that we should be more than prepared for, these should be it. Yeah, <laughs> somehow I'm not. So <laughs> yeah, same here. I'm, I'm like, I actually literally had to look down at my notes and be like, wait, what records? Mm, like, yeah. you know, were we going to review like three weeks ago? Oof. All right. Awesome. Tubular. Totally. <laughs> totally tubular, man. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. So here we are. Here we are with our first release of this episode, uh, first record. And it's from this band called The Murder Capital. Uh, the name of this record is Gigi's Recovery. Now, I discovered The Murder Capital, um, like most things on this show, um, and I've mentioned this several times before, watching a live performance on KEXP. Um, pretty avid follower of that channel. There's always new and interesting bands on there. So that's actually something that I highly recommend. If if you're not familiar with that channel, uh, check it out. I always find something really cool on there. But anyway, the Murder Capital is a band from Dublin, Ireland. And it is made up of James McGovern on vocals, uh, two guitarists, uh, Damien Tolt and Cathal Roper bassist Gabriel Pashal Blake and drummer Duramuid Brennan. Uh, this record is, I don't know, it's its kind of toes the line between somewhat familiar because it's not too far off from certain things that I would say are in this genre, but it's also sonically, I think, something very new. I can't quite put my finger on exactly what it is. It's a record that I can't, 100% describe yet. I don't know. I can still find things that sort of resonate with me or that I could uh, compare it to. If you're into that kind of stuff, I don't think this is too far from that, but yeah, like I said, it's got some familiar qualities to it. It's somewhere between what I would describe a post punk record, uh goth record and an indie record. Um, I don't know. It's got some really interesting ideas. The way that it is presented and the way that the vocals especially are presented, it's very emotive. You know, the lyrics definitely touch on a lot of, I think, real social issues that are going on. A lot of the stuff I think is examining mental illness, depression. I think it also brings up political ideas in a way that doesn't feel contrived or doesn't feel like it's like, like it feels very real. Another thing is those types of qualities applied to this record uh, keep getting better with each listen. There's a lot of buildups in the songs. So that makes it intense without really being truly 
I guess, heavy, but I mean, it's heavy in its own way, but not heavy in the same way that like hardcore punk or like heavy metal is. It's just really intense. There's a lot of like sort of loud, quiet, loud stuff going on, which makes it at times a little, I guess, grungy, but I also think that that sort of plays into the whole post-punk sort of side of it. There's some really interesting rhythm patterns, like the drums are always really off-kilter in this sort of fun way. I think that, you know, the chord choices from the guitars are really cool. Like, that sometimes reminds me of, like, what you would hear from, like, the Minutemen or even, like, Wire. Often the songs are driven by bass. Yeah, I think it's a very human-sounding record without sort of a it's sort of a lack of way to describe it in, in any other way. Yeah, I think it's just a really cool record, really interesting. Yeah, my favorite track, hands down, is The Stars Will Leave Their Stage, which I think is just a mind-blowing track, both musically and thematically, and the way that the vocals are utilized in that. Crying is also incredible, Ethel. But, I mean, the whole record is very amazing. I've been listening to it quite a bit. Now, I would say that if you're into, like, post-punk, a little bit on the gothy gothic side you know like so we're talking like joy division and bajas and stuff like that i think you would definitely like this but to me a lot of this reminded me of dc emo like on the more emo side of like dc hardcore um especially like with the way the bass uh you know builds up in the songs uh so you know like rites of spring and fagazi and moss icon embrace stuff like that and this is going to sound really weird, but there's parts of it that remind me of like the quieter side of nine inch nails as well. You know, so like a song like hurt, for instance, off the downward spiral, or like even like piggy off of downward spiral, stuff like that. With that being said, it's, it's definitely not an industrial record, but I could see how if they were inspired by industrial music, I can kind of see that with the approach that they take to their instruments. Uh, but overall, a very interesting uh, record. The live performance on KEXP is absolutely amazing. I really, really like this record a lot, but I, I almost like the live performance even better. You can definitely tell that they worked on their live presentation as well because it wasn't exactly like the record, but it was like it was almost like listening to a slightly different band. But yeah, uh, incredible record. So I would honestly recommend checking this record out. Also, this is their second record. So their first record is also incredible, but definitely checking out the KEXP live performance as well. So yeah, uh, I don't really have much more to say about it. What did you think, Eric? I, uh, I, I liked it. I agree with everything you said, but I think I heard a little bit of different stuff in there too. But um, yeah, it's very moody and broody, theatrical. Like you said, post-punky, indie. I would put in there that uh, sort of garage rock revival as well. So uh, I'll talk about that a, a little bit. It is also kind of rocking at times, especially a couple tracks, and almost fun, I think, at moments. But really, 
the big thing that I'm hearing in there, especially in the vocals, is the strokes. I think mm. that the vocalist sounds like that guy from the strokes. I don't I can never remember his name. I always just call him Casanova Frankenstein. I, it's not, that's not his name. I think it's Julia Casablanca's or yeah, something that's like what that. I said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he sounds uh, a lot like him, which actually in this setting works. Um, and that's one end of his voice, of course. The other end of it is like this croony, I don't know, yeah, kind of like a Peter Murphy, I guess, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it teeters between those two vocal styles. And those two vocal styles pretty much follow what's happening with the music. As the music becomes more intense, we get into more of those um, kind of druggy, raspy, almost rock, rock and roll vocals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the drummer on this is really great. Uh, The guitar effects are super cool. Lots of really cool keys, piano, and uh, just synths and things like that. One thing I really liked about it is I I found it to be really jazzy, especially in the drums, which made me think of like Radiohead, actually. Just a lot of times it's just kind of a jazzy thing happening while they kind of comp and have like a kind of emotive sort of low key thing happening. But the drums are always, you know, pretty kinetic and moving and stuff. Um, Another element of this, which is, so weird but it's something that i've noticed within that sort of like garage rock revival stuff there's almost like an arabian music influence or like almost egyptian at times and i know that sounds crazy but i think if you listen to the strokes and especially hot hot heat like there's that element there there's just something Mm. sort of middle eastern about it at times but yeah i i really enjoyed this like i said it's pretty brooding but at the same time i don't think it's like depressing at all either like i think it has a weight to it of course but it's not it's not something that's going to bring you down you can put it on and i think you could enjoy it in pretty much any situation with all that being said stuff that it sort of reminded me of uh like i said already the strokes hot hot heat radiohead uh oh children uh she wants revenge Mm -hmm. uh nick cave you know, stuff down that sort of path. But yeah, so I do think there's a a punky, post-punk element to it, of course, but I also think there's um, sort of this rock element to it as well. But yeah, yeah, I don't know, good stuff. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up the the baritone too in that, you know, because I kind of had the same, the same struggle. I couldn't, like, like I said, it was something kind of familiar, but at the same time, like, something that also like i think sonically there were some really new ideas like mm-hmm. that you don't really hear like on a lot of a lot of records like this and yeah and and uh the um the baritone you know who i actually think um mm-hmm. he kind of reminded me of now that i think of it um mm-hmm. peter Steele from typo negative a little bit oh i as, think that might be who i was thinking of as too. weird as weird as it sounds because uh, yeah. they definitely don't sound like typo negative by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but his voice for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think that might be who I was thinking of. Wow. Yeah, and, and that's and I just now thought of that too. And yeah, and then yeah, it that that is so true though that like like I kind of mentioned how the um 
off kilter drum patterns and the chord choices almost made this, even though it's dealing with some heavy stuff, Mm -hmm. um, it did make it kind of a fun listen. So it's not Mm -hmm. like it's like, it almost is an uplifting sort of like record in a weird sort of way, I think. Yeah. I think there's moments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool stuff. Sure. The murder capital. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, My pick for this episode is by a group called Mandy, Indiana. Uh, That's Mandy, like the Nicolas Cage movie and Indiana, like Indiana. It's called I've Seen a Way, and it came out in this year, 2023. Mandy, Indiana are not from Indiana. They are from England and France. So this is kind of like our international episode, Mm -hmm. apparently. Yeah. Um, Mandy, Indiana is pretty wild stuff. I know that almost every (laughs) review that we do, it's like, I don't know. I just can't put my finger on it. This is hard to describe. (laughs) This is hard to explain what's happening. For real, though, this record is 100% unclassifiable. We say that about every release, too. Yeah, we do. But (laughs) uh, this one, for real, like... I'll give you some things that happen, some examples and some things that it sounds like, but it's not even going to come close to what seems to be happening, which I can't even describe. So anyway, we'll just jump into it. Uh, Like I said, it defies expectations every step of the way, every point at which you think you know what's supposed to happen, they go the other way or another way. It's not even like black and white. It's just like all over the place. Um, but yeah, it starts with pretty pure kind of synth wave stuff. Goes really straight techno. Gets kind of no wavy at times, then super noisy and experimental, then kind of poppy, then there's hip hop, and then there's like sample-based hard industrial, uh, gabber. Like it goes everywhere within sort of electronic uh, styles. Uh, it, everything's covered here. It's um, futuristic, but not optimistic. It's more like futuristic and and nihilistic, I guess, uh, the, the mood I get. But yeah, it goes through all those things. They all kind of exist like perfectly in conjunction in the world that they've sort of created here. Really expansive, grimy synths, really cool... Um, like polyrhythmic drum programming, awesome old school type industrial samples, not just musically, but like vocal samples and things like that. The vocals go a lot of different places, just lots of different places from Blondie to Atari Teenage Riot and everything in between. I don't know. But yeah, I would say if you're a fan of electronic music through the ages, you're going to like this. And it it is not super accessible because of how varied and extreme things are. But at the same time, there's enough to really grab onto and enjoy. And uh, yeah, I think it's pretty intense at times. I didn't, I was so preoccupied with the music that I honestly didn't pay very much attention to what was being said upon further listens. I probably will. Yeah. Things that it reminded me of throw kill call skinny puppy as far as older type stuff, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah's in a way, Black Moth Super Rainbow in a certain way, and then sort of like um, Gabber, Noise, 
cut up stuff almost. So like machine girl, amnesia scanner, I don't know, lotion, uh, multinational corporation and, and something like Nosferatu, like real straight gabber. So yeah, I don't know. It, I feel like I'm not selling it enough. I think if you listen to this show and you like the stuff we review that's electronic, then there's going to be something on here that you really are kind of blown away by. And then a lot of other things that you just sort of enjoy. I, I ended up liking this a lot. I'm sure it'll be on rotation for me. Uh, what do you think, Dan? Uh, yeah, I really, really liked it. Uh, everything that you said, I think is on point kind of to the point where I don't really have much to add because I pretty much agree with pretty much everything that you said, honestly, like mm-hmm. it's noisy, chaotic, sort of industrial dance at some points then it you know has like elements of hip-hop new wave um like you said gabber you know it it creates uh, this pretty like dark atmosphere like somewhat which kind of reminds me of like there there are some times where there's like these patterns that remind me of like the theme song to stranger things for instance Mm -hmm. But it's always fun. Like it always sounds like, like, like almost like a dance record, mm-hmm. um, with sort of these like dark, sort of like undertones to it. Drums are very pulsating. You know, the music, like the guitars, are used in this really interesting way that, you know, often sounds almost like drills or something. So that's mm-hmm. there's almost like a big black element to it. I feel. Uh, to me, like the vocals were really interesting because they were almost like a uh, like a spoken word type thing at times. Like you mentioned, uh, you know, Blondie, like Debbie Harry and Karen O from the Yeah Yeah Yeahs. Mm-hmm. I definitely hear that sort of thing too. Like, uh, and honestly, like um, Molly from Closet Witch when she was doing vocals for Baby Alchemy, for sure, um, yeah. has this like. Yeah, it's got that sort of like, um, I don't know how to describe it, like sassiness to it, I guess you could kind of say. The thing is, is it's it's also just a really like, almost like a relaxing record in a weird sort of way for me. Like, I don't know, I don't know how that <laughs> plays into all the descriptions that I, mm-hmm. that I just said, but there's something about the heaviness of the bass and the vocals and everything. That combination, like almost makes it oddly maybe calming is not the best way to put it, but like there's like a gorgeous element to it. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of that has to do with the electronic instrumentation as well, because sometimes electronic music can just be just, you know, just sounds really soothing, you know, in a, mm-hmm. in a weird sort of way. But at the same time, sometimes there's parts that remind me straight up of like noise rap, like, Ebony Tusks, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. I, there's a lot of that sort of stuff going on. Dalek, LP, stuff like that. I can definitely hear in this group. But also, like, yeah, like you mentioned, Skinny Puppy and sort of the, um, a lot of the older industrial KMFDM. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard some Kill Alters, like, sort of. Yeah. I bet, I yeah. bet, I wouldn't be surprised if they were inspired by Throbbing Gristle and even like swans, like early swans, you know, mm-hmm. like with the um, really like um, pounding, pulsating drums that are on like early swan records, things like that. It's, but mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's it's a really fun record. And um, I think if you're a fan of industrial and like Eric said, pretty much electronic music all across the board, um, you're going to find something here that you really like um, for sure. Really, nice. really good release. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that brings us to our local release, uh, which is from a group called Tang. And the name of this record is Big Bright Empty Nothing, which came out this year. Uh, so Tang is from Iowa. I'm not quite sure what town in Iowa. I think they might be from Dubuque, but I'm not 100% on that. And the members are Zach Ryerson, Leo Naughton, uh, Herbach, and James Stortz. This is a, uh, a really, really cool record. There's a lot of things going on. The record itself is laid out almost like a jazz record, I would say because of the how many songs are on it and the length of the songs, but it definitely is not, I'm, I mean, I wouldn't describe it as a jazz record by any means, as it is very much um, a cool instrumental, I would say almost like, I don't know, post stoner rock or something like that. It does go into like some different directions as far as like guitar tone goes, there's a lot of um, kind of going between clean and heavy. Each song is, seems to be divided into sections. There's a lot of fuzzy distortion that often has an element of like sludge rock or, or doom rock. The bass is often soaked in heavy distortion. The guitars sometimes have some twanginess <clears throat> to them. Lots of... Um, Really interesting guitar effects are on this. Um, lots of bends on the guitar, like single note bends that I think adds to that sort of twanginess. Overall, the thing that I really like about this record is the tightness. I think that the performance is fantastic. I don't know if it was recorded live, but it definitely sounds like it was. And I'm pretty sure that this group is probably super, super tight live. The song Voyage is freaking awesome. Uh, but yeah, this is just a great like exercise in, you know, instrumental, I guess, sort of metal, but it also goes to like a bunch of different places. Like there's elements of indie rock to it. As far as stuff that it reminds me of, uh, Moscow Puzzles is kind of uh, one that comes to mind, but also um, the Mesthetics, Caius, Yob, Om, Tool, Juno. There's definitely some elements of like Black Sabbath or Electric Wizard here as well. So yeah, it's a really, really fun record and a blast to listen to. And definitely, I think there's a lot of great technique here. Uh, what did you think, Eric? Um, I liked it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I liked it. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. I turned into an old man when no one's looking. Yeah. I loved it. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, it was yeah. great. But yeah, so Tang from Iowa, not to be confused with Hot Tang, which is another Iowa band, <laughs> but Tang seems to be an acronym as well, and I don't know what for. Um, maybe they can reach out and let us know what Tang sure. is an acronym for. But yeah, like, I don't know, you said pretty much everything there is to say. I 
my description of this was long, heavy, instrumental, jazzy, psych, post-rock jams. There you uh, go. <laughs> you know, they're instrumental tracks. They're long. Uh, they start out generally pretty, um, I don't know how to say it. It's pretty jammy. I would say mm -hmm. that it's, to me, similar to, to jam music. So like Fish. I know that mm -hmm. probably is going to make some people mad, but during the clean parts, it is very similar to that. Um, the drums generally stay within sort of a jazzy realm, I think. Even when it gets heavy, we don't drop straight into just like doomy-ass drums. Like, like Dan said, Black Sabbath. And I agree with that, but not necessarily the sound of it, but mm -hmm. how it works and how they approach it. Um, because like I've said on this show at this point, probably 600, 700 times, uh, the thing that I find most interesting about Sabbath is that swing. It's the jazziness, like the heaviness is great. And that, but that's what almost everyone focuses on when they are influenced by Sabbath. But I think the thing a lot of them are missing is that sort of swing element. Um, but Tang totally does that and they stick to it. It's pretty cool. But yeah, it's uh, technical, yet free-flowing. I think at times it's noodly, you know, but it's still mm -hmm. controlled. Uh, I get zero sense that they don't know what's about to be happening at all times. Um, but yeah, it does get psychedelic. It spreads. It moves out. And in that sense, it is a little post-rocky, but maybe that's inherent to this kind of instrumental music anyway. You know, maybe that's just how my brain views long instrumental pieces at this point. I don't know. But um, yeah, so super expansive. They flow together, like Dan said, and, and generally sort of presented as one track. Uh, there's only four tracks on this album, but I would say if push, I would say there's probably 15 distinct musical ideas you know so even within the same track that might be 20 minutes long i'd say there's like five or six moments where that those tracks could have been uh split I, that's not something i'm suggesting i'm just saying like in 20 minutes it's not the same general musical idea for 20 minutes like it moves around a lot lots of cool guitar sounds pretty brave as far as the clean tone i think like it is just dry and raw which is pretty rare but works perfectly in this and then once we get into the more i don't know heavier more psychedelic side of it then we get a lot of different sounds uh the drums are super solid uh like i said jazzy at times but also driving the bass for the most part just holds it down until the fuzz kicks in and then it's like it's super dense fuzz and kind of holds the whole thing together during those moments so everyone in this is uh playing a really important role but yeah i don't know what else i can really add to all that i mean if you haven't figured out what this sounds like from what we've said so far i don't know uh but things that i uh thought about while listening were, were um the assemble head and sunburst sound denava at times especially as far as the tones and that sort of swing element. Um, I mean, you got to say Don Caballero. I would say Wish You Were Here 
era Pink Floyd, especially um, have a cigar. Like I heard that kind of movement in a lot of things. Uh, Mogwai, a local project from a while ago called Anomander, I felt was kind of similar. Mm, yes, um, I remember Anomander. Yeah, stuff in that realm. I thought I thought it was good, and they they brought a lot of different ideas to this style, which I don't even think you could technically pinpoint and say it's this style, but this approach to music. I think they brought a lot of cool ideas. So yeah, for good, sure. Good yeah. pick. You know, the thing I liked best about it though, is that it's better than the orange drink tang. Mm, sure. You remember tang? Yeah. I think they still make it, right? They do. I and, mean, uh, NASA makes it. Yeah. NASA makes it's their it, only you know. commercial product. The uh, <laughs> astronauts still drink it in space. I think. Yeah. They're required to contractually. Mm. Like, yeah, it's 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 a selling point for them, you know? Yeah, it's like the moon suits are made by Nike, I believe. But other than that, Tang is the only other sponsor. It's the only other sponsor, yeah. You know what I always found interesting about Tang, though? The mm. drink? What? It was marketed as a breakfast drink when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I remember uh, parents... Um, all over the globe and by all over the globe, I mean, my neighbors and my house, mm -hmm. um, we're always serving Tang with breakfast to the kids and they used to have many different flavors. Like, do you remember the commercials where, you know, it was like those claymation characters with like, it was like lips and with like, with legs and shoes. You remember that? Mm. And they were, they were always fighting over like what flavor they get. Dang, I don't think so, actually. Mm, I'm gonna have you don't to remember those. Yeah, the mm -hmm. Tang commercials, man. Because there used to be like a cherry Tang and uh, mm -hmm. orange Tang. Now I think it's just orange Tang. I tried. And, and Pootie Tang. And Pootie Tang. <laughs> yes, yes. There is a Pootie Tang. Yeah, that's not a breakfast drink. That That's an evening drink. For that's an evening drink. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh boy, we're we're going a lot of different places, a lot of different, a lot of different directions. Yeah, this one, we're Eric. going nowhere fast. <laughs> <laughs> we're going no, we're on the road to nowhere fast, fast. So yes, what did we learn today? Oh well, I guess we learned we can take sizable break and sort of still be able to come back and do it. <laughs> Also, Tang has a lot of vitamins and minerals. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can also take vitamins when you drink Tang. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. They sell it at the Dollar General store. Mm -hmm. the, the Dollar General store, which is uh, taking over Muscatine, Iowa. Like, you know, yeah. I'm not kidding. There's We have five Dollar Generals now. Yeah, they're pretty smart. I, I think their business plan is... Um... I think they really figured it out. It's sort of like uh, following what Casey's did, but even better. So what they do is they find communities or little mm -hmm. towns or whatever that are 10 to 15 miles from a bigger town. Right. And then they move in. And then everyone in that little town, for the most part, just gets everything at Dollar General. Mm -hmm. So they sort of saw a... a a void in the marketplace where people mm. didn't like you could go to Casey's cause they mm -hmm. already used this plan. Uh, sure. 
but now you can go to Dollar General and get like almost everything you need. Um, yeah. And if not, then you drive the 10, 15 miles to Walmart in the now, I, town that you're I next could, to. I, I could see how that works in like <clears throat> West Liberty and Lone Tree and, mm-hmm. you know, small towns like that. But in Muscatine, yeah, it's it's like, you know, most people are probably getting their stuff from Walmart, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's the thing. Every single Dollar General that I go in, mm-hmm. except for the one in Lone Tree, I'm going to shout out Lone Tree, Iowa here. Lone Tree. The hometown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. The Dollar General there is the best Dollar General. I'm sorry, Dollar General. The mm. rest of them, not so much. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's how passionate I am about Dollar Generals. Wow. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, I go there like twice a month, maybe. But I, I'm. Mm. I am going to say though, for real, the Lone Tree Dollar General is the nicest Dollar General out of all. Dang. I'm gonna have to stop in. They do actually upkeep it very, very well. They also, it's the only Dollar General I've seen so far that has a produce section now. Nice. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'm they serious. actually have. I'm... No, yeah, no, absolutely. It's <laughs> no, it, it really is because Lone Tree used to have a grocery store mm-hmm. and it shut down. And so now, like, you know, right. people who, you know, have the option to get like, you know, produce. So mm-hmm. that's pretty yeah, cool. Because I think Casey's might have bananas or something. Yeah, right. they have they have a they have bananas and apples and right. But yeah, that's pretty much it. But yeah, no, yeah. the Lone Tree Dollar General is a nice Dollar General. Like, nice. you know, I'm not here to down talk other Dollar Generals, but I'll just say that every every other Dollar General I've been to has not been as nice as hmm. the Lone Tree one. Yeah, this section of the episode is brought to you by Lone Tree Dollar General. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I think that pretty much covers everything, don't you? Yeah. All right. Did it. We're done. And we're done. Uh, we're, done. We're, we're over with. All right. <laughs> See you guys later. Bye. Bye. Who says a dollar won't buy much anymore? Every day is dollar day at the Dollar General store. Shopping us first just makes a whole lot of sense.